Hello again, everybody. It's your host, Felipe Melicio, and you're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. With me, as always, it's the one, the only, Sean Flannery. Sean, how are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm great. I'm back from my long, month-long sabbatical while I was trying to figure out my new job and the new schedule. But we're finally back. So much has happened. Trade deadline, lots of prospects on the move, lots of studs on the move. Uh, I listened a little bit to you guys on Dong City earlier this week. Break down kind of the, the bigger name trades and the big names associated with those trades. But um, I think we got something a little bit different planned for tonight. Yeah, one of the things I was kind of disappointed was we couldn't. I mean, it's not my show. I just got invited to it. Of course, they're not going to do it the way I want to do it. But um, one of the things I wanted to do was kind of delve into these no name, lesser name, lesser known minor league players and prospects. And that's not that's not the focus of Dong City. Dong City is uh, there. Theirs was a little bit more team oriented, and uh, that's that's their podcast. They're more about that aspect of it than what we do in is trying to evaluate talent as best we can, even if they're obscure minor league players or on face value, there's like no reason to mention these players or there's no value to them whatsoever. That's, that's where the argument about Austin Roman came in where I was told, Oh, Austin Roman sucks. He's never going to amount to anything. And then I see the numbers and for at least two seasons, he was pretty viable catcher for at least two seasons. So that's at least what, two seasons. That's that's. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was told zilch for Austin Roman that he's never going to do anything with his life in terms of baseball, except be a, a good defensive catcher. And he proved that he could be somewhat of a dependable slugger for at least those two seasons with the Yankees. Um, yeah. Slugger. Well, for a catcher, yeah. <laughs> for a catcher, yeah. We talk about how bad catchers are, uh, but let's get to it. I only, uh, I only have one hour with you, Sean. I know you're you you have to get going. So the first trade that on the docket here, we're gonna go backwards according to the spot rack list that I sent you earlier today. And the first one that shows up is Javier Baez and Trevor Williams going to New York for uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, uh, and we're gonna focus our attention on Pete Crow Armstrong, uh, 19 years old, left-handed outfielder, six foot, 184 pounds. So needs to add some weight on the muscle. Some of the bigger attributes, according to fan that he has is that he has a, a high ceiling hit tool, has some little bit of power, has a lot of speed and can field for days. But Sean, he's only a future value of 45. But as before I, I see the floor to you, you are a Mets fan. So I, I can't wait to hear what you got to say about this guy. Please be mindful that a lot of the fan stuff and a lot of, uh, the lists and the MLB pipeline and all that stuff. When you see future value of 45, don't get discouraged. These numbers do fluctuate. It, they're, they're meant to be dynamic and not static. So today's 45 uh, player is tomorrow's 50, 55 player, maybe, or tomorrow's 35 player. Who knows? Without that being said, Pete Crow Armstrong, is the arrow up, down, or neutral on him, Sean? It's, uh, it's just a neutral. Uh, he was their first round pick last year um, out of California. Uh, like you said, he was one of the top outfielders in the draft, um, but his stock did take a little bit of a hit uh, right before everything got shut down for COVID uh, in his high school year because he had been on the under-18 Team USA, and he was one of their you know top of the lineup, uh, table setters, great defense, and his stock was going up, going up. And then those first few weeks before they shut everything down, the offense didn't look right. The bat, the swing was a little off. And so that allowed him to drop down to 19 where he was selected by the Mets. Um, he start, he debuted professionally this year, uh, only got to play six games before sli- I think it was sliding into a base 
he injured his shoulder. Uh, it was almost an exact injury that Alec Thomas of Arizona had, and they had to have season-ending shoulder surgery within the first week of the season. Um, but he did show uh, he was playing in the St. Lucie low-A ball. Um, he had a 22% walk rate in those first 32 plate appearances, was higher than a strikeout rate. Uh, Fangraphs put it well. Uh, his kind of ceiling here, uh, probably even a little bit higher, is Jackie Bradley Jr. Left-handed bat, good speed, plus-plus defensively. Uh, we just have to wait and see how he comes back and recovers from the shoulder surgery, which might affect the overall future power. I don't think it'll affect the approach. I don't think it'll affect the defense. So, the, yeah, and the things that keep him, the things that are going to get him to the big leagues were not his power. It was his yeah. approach and his defense and his athleticism. That's None of that's changing right now. But him for bias, him for a rental bias did not make sense in my mind. That was the largest overpay of a rental at the deadline this year. Um, and I feel pretty confident in saying that. But you got Trevor Williams to go with it. What's wrong? Oh. I, Trevor Williams was on my list of people I wanted to talk about, too. No, nah, we already know who Trevor Williams is. No, we all oh, no, we don't. No, we don't. He's got a one of the best sliders in baseball. Did anybody know that? Yeah, just, a, lot, he, a lot of good that did to him when he was with the, the Cubs. The, <laughs> the, the rest of his pitches are just BP, but uh, hey. Yeah, yeah. go to uh, go get gas, BP, <laughs> Amico. All right, well, let's move on then to the next player on the list. It is Abraham Gutierrez. Oh, one of Felipe's favorite ca- catching prospects, right? He's a future value 35-plus, Sean, according to Fangraphs. Now we're getting very obscure. 21 years old, bats right, throws right, obviously. And while he was uh, with the Phillies, he showed a very good approach, a little bit of power. Um, and it was having a good season getting on base and lots of good things. And it makes me kind of uh, get uh, excited for that catching prospect, right? But I got to temper my expectations because, again, it's a catching prospect, still in high A, 21 years old. So there's a lot of uh, – it's a long road ahead of him. Uh, well, how do you see Abraham Gutierrez? Is he the next Austin Romine there, Sean? Gutierrez, I I honestly don't know that much about. So that that's just what I'm gonna have to uh, uh, shove back to you or push back to you. All right. Well, he's now the Pirates' problem now. Uh, a, a lot of the trades the Pirates made, though, one of the only real interesting pieces to me they got back were Bryce Wilson from the Braves and the Richard Rodriguez deal, and Hoy Park and the um, who did the Yankee who did the Yankees trade for him. Um, uh, I forgot, but we'll get to it. We'll yeah. Get to, I, yeah, we'll get to it for sure. Uh, but, 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 all right, let's move on. Let's see. There was a few deals here that the Rangers got from the, I'm sorry, the Angels. The Angels uh, acquired Sam Selman, Ivan Alexander Armstrong, and Jose Marte from the Giants for Tony Watson. So what does a veteran relief pitcher get you? Yeah, exactly. Garbage. A 30-year-old garbage relief pitcher, a relief pitcher who kind of has no idea what he's throwing in the minors. And then the Jose, the Jose Marte guy, I, I don't even know who that is. I, right, the, well, it, it's, it's brutal. Let me, let me walk you through this. All right. Ivan Armstrong uh, showed the double digits Cape per nine in the minors with the giants. Uh, really high walk rate though. Remember like uh, 3.29. I've seen higher on this list. Trust yeah. me. You'll see, man, you'll see 3.29. You'll look, you'll take that right now. Uh, big ground ball pitcher. Five, uh, you know, the other thing I wanted to talk about Ivan Armstrong is this 6'5", 247-pound, 21-year-old, which is – we just saw a 21-year-old who was kind of lanky. Actually, it was Pete Armstrong, right? He's uh, six foot and 187 pounds or whatever. This guy's a big one, 6'5", 247. 
was able to post a 54.5% ground ball rate uh, at uh, with the Giants A-ball uh, team. Uh, ERA is below two. The FIP is strong with this one. Uh, Fangraphs has him as having a big fastball, decent slider, but command is awful. Uh, aside from all that, uh, I know you you put a big thumbs down for these uh, aqu- acquisitions from the Angels. Anything else you want to add about Ivan Armstrong? Not really. <laughs> a relief pitcher prospect that really hasn't shown any sort of elite standout to me. I mean, it, it's just one of those dime a dozen. Uh, unless I see a relief pitcher in the minors like, you know, Demarcus Evans was or James Karinchak was. Um, or I see a really interesting pitch, pitch shape. Uh, I'm, I try not to get too excited. Well, there's reason to get excited because uh, here because the Angels, what's the number one complaint about that team? They can't find pitching. Well, they have someone, maybe, in Ivan Armstrong, <laughs> if they're lucky. Uh, Jose Marte, I know you're uh, 25-year-old, so he's a little bit on – no, he's really old, actually. He's on the old side. But that's okay. You know why? Because pitchers develop uh, a lot. Uh, they take longer to develop, right, Sean? It's like – Usually. It's, it's like baking a cake. Just gotta oh, wait baking it out. a cake. Yeah, sure. But Fangraphs, even though the future value is at 35-plus – he he has a he's listed as having a big fastball, really good slider, fastball slider combination. That's what you want from your relief pitchers, even at the age of 25 with no command. But as you will see in 19 game appearances, 14.29 K per nine, but a lot of walks. And that's been his downfall. But for all the walks, uh, he also posts a high ground ball rate, uh, 357 ERA. The FIP likes him at 233. Um, so, again, between Ivan Armstrong and Jose Marte, you might have two future guys for the Angels that can shore up that bullpen at the back end. Not the best, sorry, not the back end, just in general, just because, again, number one complaint about the Angels from the Angels fans, not we don't have pitching. enough pitching. <laughs> so you were able to get three lottery tickets for Tony Watson. Whether, I don't know how much you value Tony Watson, but... Those, those are like... Those are really bad lottery tickets like that's like you might win the lottery on that ticket in like 2000 years i don't know man i don't know so i think i have an armstrong i'm just i'm just uh you know how i like my pitchers man i, I like them big, I like big. <laughs> not not to get sexual and and, and arousal to you people listening but uh, now there the, the, the ivan armstrong's um stature is promising i mean that's reason enough to watch and then the other guy uh, who I already forgot, uh, Jose Marte. I- I'm curious to see if that fastball slider combination will translate even, even as a low-end relief pitcher one of these days. But now we get to the Texas Rangers. who There's another team who's always constantly looking, looking for pitching. They traded Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy to the Philadelphia Inquirers. I mean, sorry, the Philadelphia Phillies. <laughs> and they get Spencer Howard, who we know who Spencer Howard is. But let's talk about him because I don't know. I want to get your opinion on him because it looks like he has the tools and the promise to be a very good pitching prospect in the majors. And it's just not been able to click for him uh, since he's been brought up. What problems do you see out of Spencer Howard? Multiple injuries. I think he's had three arm surgeries already. Uh, They've been in this weird situation where they've wanted to use him as a starter, but they, they knew if they started him off as a starter at the beginning of the year, he would hit his innings limits. So they wanted to use him as a reliever. They wanted to keep him in AAA. Then they wanted to bring him back as a starter, but only as like a, a piggyback starter. And they were using him with Bailey Falter in, in Philadelphia. Really interesting player in his own right. But um, this was a great get for Texas. And I think Texas is one of the 
unsung winners of this deadline. Uh, not only the package they got back for Gibson and Ian Kennedy, but the package they got back for uh, Joey Gallo as well. And I know a lot of Texas fans are upset that they traded Joey Gallo. It was <laughs> inevitable. It was yeah. inevitable. I mean, it had to happen. Um, but Spencer Howard and Glenn Otto, who we'll probably talk about later, love, love, love those arms in the Texas system, <clears throat> especially in a park which now seems to be uh, leaning very heavily towards pitchers. Yeah, and but to remind folks, uh, Joey Gallo's agent is Scott Boris. It's so good luck with that. You, you were <laughs> not going to get him back. Uh, so I, the, Spencer Howard being acquired by the Texas Rangers kind of kind of reminds me of Dane Dunning getting acquired uh, by the White Sox. Uh, yeah, that, 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 yep, for Lance Lynn and Kyle, that, Kyle Gibson was having that great year. And kind of the same type of pitcher yeah. Lance Lynn was, and they get a multi five time or five year controllable top prospect pitcher. I mean, that's it's a great get. Only other thing I'm going to say about uh, the, 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 the two parallels there is that I like Spencer Howard as a prospect and I ever did like the Dane Dunning. Um, but moving on to the next pitchers. Okay. So it just can't be the two guys that you mentioned that that's the reason the Rangers won. Kevin Gowdy, uh, who is now listed as being in a in high A ball for the Rangers, 23-year-old, 6'4", 170, so he has a little bit on the lanky side, has a decent fastball, decent slider, but and could one day have good command, has a 40 future value according to fan graphs. And while he was in the minors with the Texas Power Rangers, I'm sorry, with the <laughs> Philadelphia Phillies, he, he started 12 games, had a 9.30 K per nine, really good control with those walks, though. And and kept the ball in the ballpark. No home run, not a lot of home runs were given up by him. But the ERA was 4.43. However, FIP likes him a little bit better at a three and a half ERA uh, in terms of field independent pitching. Um, so, any anything else you want to add about Kevin Gowdy, the 23 year old here? Like I said, I, I think that Spencer Howard was the main get, and that's what they're happy with. So nothing out of Kevin Gowdy. Josh Geschner, now moving on. Josh Geschner, 21-year-old, right-handed, 6'1", 205-pounder. Uh, he's actually ranked 51st. Uh, oh, 51st prospect on a team, though. That's a big difference there. Uh, slider, fastball, good enough, but the command is definitely an issue. You're, you're going to love this, Sean. With the Philadelphia Phillies, he had a K per nine of 16.4. Hey. Uh, but a walk per nine of 3.52, which again, it's a little 3. bit 3.52. If you have a K per nine of that is not bad. I mean, James yeah, Karen exactly. was routinely putting five, six walks per nine uh, during his minor league tenure. I have a question for you. I noticed that Fangraphs now has something called CPX. What does that stand for now for the minor leaguers? Do you know? Uh, oh, oh, that's going to be the complex uh, during the, um, you know, restructuring of everything. There's less minor league teams. So you only have, Low A, high A. Uh, there's no rookie league ball anymore. So uh, when they're playing at their uh, spring training facility, that's just the complex because they're still having organized games down there, but they're not. What's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, they're there's not like official. no. Yeah, yeah. They're not really official. Okay, so. Regardless, uh, I mean, the 66.7% ground ball rate, that's all we have going for it. But that's what you want from a, a pitcher like this uh, who has that uh, working on his command problems. So there's a lot of promise here. But again, 21-year-old, there's still a lot uh, of room to grow there. Um, I know people are going to say, like, oh, who cares? He's the 51st uh, 
prospect on the list. It doesn't really matter. But for a pitching starved team like the Texas Power Rangers, you're kind of happy. You'll accept anything at this point. You'll accept any promising pitcher that you can find. And a 117 RA, 161 FIP. Uh, really, it's it's a heck. I mean, it's this is a lot better than what the Angels got for sure. But then again, you know, the Angels were just trying to get rid of a relief. I'm sorry, the yeah, they were trying to get rid of rid of a relief pitcher, an, an aging one at that. Uh, and meanwhile, the Rangers, like you mentioned, they had two uh, established uh, pseudo starting pitchers. I mean, Kyle Gibson, you know, having a really good year, and then Ian Kennedy was a starting pitcher who now turned into a, a closer type player. So we'll see what happens with these guys in the future. Moving on. Um, okay. And I got a name for you. I'm pretty sure you, you, you know who this guy is. All right. And if you don't know who this guy is, I'm going to have to reconsider a podcast partner here, <laughs> but Anderson, Anderson. Espinosa. Yes! And I, you know, when, when the Cubs acquired him for Jake Marisnik, which is another uh, obscure name we mentioned on this podcast before, I was pretty excited because I remember Anderson Spinoza being a highly touted prospect. And then I, and then I uh, realized that he had two Tommy John surgeries over the last couple of years. And so far with the high A affiliate for the San Diego Padres, he's had made 12 starts, but only 28 and two thirds innings uh, posted a pretty impressive strikeout per nine of 11.6, but a walk, not walk per nine of four uh, keeps the ball in the ballpark though. That's all I ask out of him. But the ERA Sean is 5.02. What is going on with Anderson Spinoza? Uh, I'm not going to look too far into it. Granted at this point, he's a 23 year old pitching in high A ball. Um, but like you said, he's had two Tommy John surgeries. He's had several other injuries on top of that as well. Um, but this is his first professional innings in five years. He hadn't thrown a professional pitch since 2016. Uh, he oh, wow. is a guy. He was the big get in uh, Boston to San Diego trade. Uh, that would have been because he got traded the same year Yohan Moncada did when the Red Sox really went all in. And I'm trying to remember the trade he was a part of. But yeah, like you said, two Tommy Johns. Uh, he also has the uh, notion of being only, I believe, him and Hector Santiago are the only two pitchers in organized baseball who have been caught and suspended under the uh, foreign substances check program. Uh, he had a yeah, he had a 10-game suspension earlier this year where he was walking off the mound. They checked him. They found a foreign substance in the glove, and they said, you're out of here 10 games. But uh, really interesting upside. He had like lots of he was smaller, which worried a lot of people, only six foot 190. And he threw really hard. And the velocity seems to be coming up a little bit, but I don't think it's ever going to be where it was. I mean, after two Tommy Johns, that's a very that's a rarity to get your all of your velocity back. Um, but he's an so interesting what are you piece looking for what are you looking I, for? In relief him? pitcher. I, I, I think he is a guy that you get him back, you know, ramp up some innings in the minors probably get him to double a as a starter. And then once he's built up more strength, throw him in the bullpen and see how quickly you can get him to the major leagues. Cause right yeah, now I think too much time has passed to make him a, a major league starter. Yeah. To, for him to move up from uh, a ball, he's going to have to really show something like just ramp up the production and really show that he is fully healthy and back and uh, like you like you mentioned already, it's it, it's a hard uphill battle, especially for a 23 year old who's still under low levels of uh, the minor leagues. But like, but you know, we got excited when we mentioned him. I mentioned that to you. You got excited, and like I said, when I saw his name pop up, I got excited. 
So we'll see if he, if he becomes like a pretty, de- you know what this reminds me of, Sean? Reminds me when the Cubs uh, acquired uh, Aroldis Vizcaino. That's what it reminds me of. Interesting. Vizcaino, yeah, Vizcaino also had the, the Tommy John surgery um, when he got acquired by the Cubs way back in the day. All right. You ready for another obscure name? Yeah, let's go. All right. From the Baltimore Orioles, they send Freddie Galvis to the Phillies, which, what, what is that, a second stint with the Phillies, right? Yep. Jesus. Uh, and the Orioles get Tyler Birch, who is a 6'2", 190 pitcher, who throws right-handed, 35-plus uh, future value, so uh, eat with the ETA of 2022, even though he's in high A ball at the moment. But with the Phillies, he pitched in eight games, four saves, 11 innings pitch, 14.73 strikeouts per nine innings. Again, decent for a relief pitcher, right? But you're going to love this one, Sean. 1.64 walk per nine innings. Ooh, a minor leaguer who has control. That's fun, you. especially one that's at 35 future value. But other than that, there's not much known um, about him. Uh, he's posting a good ERA, good FIP uh, against a uh, better than complex competition, I guess. Yeah. Um, com- sorry, not complex, complex. Anything else you want to add about Tyler Bush before we move on? Um, just going to forward the uh, little excerpt from the Fangraphs article I mentioned earlier. Uh, he enjoyed a velo spike coming out of the COVID year and uh, before the deal, uh, was leading all pitchers in the Philadelphia Phillies organization and swinging strike rate. So that shows a pretty consistent ability to miss bats. So this might be a 35 plus future value guy that might fly underneath the radar. And, ne- and granted, he's going to be pitching in Baltimore, which is <laughs> uh, let's start the petition to just get him out of Baltimore already. <laughs> yeah, we, we've talked about the Baltimore Orioles pitch. I'm still waiting for Tanner Scott to turn into something you know oh my god he takes four steps forward gets like a a 4k strikeout save and then the next outing he gives up two earned runs and i'm like oh my god i'm done with this how's hunter harvey doing uh i'm shocked that his arm's still attached to his body okay (laughs) that's what that's what awaits tyler birch's future right (laughs) basically um but you know all they had to do was get rid of freddie galvis and you get a a decent upside, uh, low-level pitcher. That's that's not too bad. That's not too bad for the Orioles. Uh, next up on the list, the Rays acquired Jordan Luplo and DJ Johnson from the Cleveland Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> for pitcher Peyton Battenfield. Who the hell is Peyton Battenfield? Well, he's a 6'4", 224 big right-handed pitcher with a 55-grade fastball that's still developing uh, and doesn't appear to be impressive curveball or change-up uh, grades there out of fan graphs. Also struggling struggling with command. Future value, 35-plus. Again, th- this could fluctuate at any moments, but for the time being, we're going to say that it's a low-level uh, prospect. But in A, in six game starts, he pitched 36 innings, 11.3K per nine, 1.73 walk per nine. So we got something here. He does have a problem with the home run ball there, Sean. Uh, and Slightly. I mean, it's slightly. not an extreme, uh, especially for a 14.3 home run to fly ball rate, which mm-hmm. if I'm trying to remember my double A, how the Southern League usually plays, they've added a new stadium and took one away. But that <laughs> one was usually a... I'm trying. It, it was more towards pitchers. So uh, that that is like a high home run to fly ball percentage for uh, that level, I believe. Interesting. Well, XFIP, which uh, accounts for home run, league average home run uh, situations, has him at 311. So for your information, he's holding his own, right? Yeah. He's holding on to his own. And, and this is one of those few trades that go from one elite 
pitching development organization to another elite pitching development organization. And it's really interesting, especially you look at, you know, some of the basic K per nine walks per nines and you see something here. I mean, this is a guy who, even though he's thrown barely a hundred career innings, uh, K's per nine of 10 and a half, 14.2, 11 and a half. And the walks are in check. And you see a team like Cleveland go out and get this guy um, for a relatively minor price. Uh, so that's an interesting I like how Cleveland develops arms out of nowhere. Um, maybe this is one. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking when I was uh, looking this trade over. Uh, although it, it, the the fact of the matter escaped me that Tampa is pretty good at developing pitchers. Yeah, too, and, so. and that's the thing is if Tampa trades somebody, it's like you don't want to say, oh, they're broken or they're not going to develop like they thought they were. It, it's still... Um, you know, Cleveland, Cleveland sees something. And if Cleveland sees something, then I, I trust them. Yeah, uh, I'm on the same boat as you are. I, I think uh, well, uh, this is why I do this thing, right? Because I, I want to see how these no-name prospects end up doing with a change of scenery. Um, so we, we always are always looking for those players. Well, with a change of scenery, he could you know, change his fortunes. But we never want to do that with the low-level minor league prospects. Well, here's a chance. We'll, we'll keep tabs on Peyton Battenfield as the years go on. The next trade, I think you mentioned this one earlier, Richard Rodriguez goes to the Atlanta Braves for Bryce Wilson and Rick DeVito. Let's talk about Bryce Wilson first. Uh, even though he's had some major league uh, uh, experience already under his belt, he's still uh, considered a, a waning prospect at this point. At once was a promising prospect for the Atlanta Braves, 23-year-old, 6'2", 225, right-handed pitcher. Uh, fastball and slider are nothing to brag about according to Fangrass, but the curveball is he has a, according to them, he has a curveball that is probably the best of his arsenal and the command is also there. So, um, so he has a little bit of craftiness going for him. And so far this season in the major leagues, he has not posted, <laughs> he has posted some God awful numbers here. Yeah. What is wrong with Bryce Wilson? It's a very up and down Atlanta always would say, we love his stuff. We love his stuff. We love his stuff. We like how he attacks the zone. And in the minors, he had pretty good, you know, control walk numbers. Uh, yeah. it, it just it never translated to the big leagues. Uh, he whenever he would pitch, both in 2018 and he had seven innings, <coughs> had seven walks per nine. In 2019, four and a half walks per nine over 20 innings. 2020, 15 innings, five walks per nine. It he was one of those arms that for years. I said, okay, Atlanta has all of these pitching prospects. They're going to throw them against the wall and see what sticks. That's Mike Soroka, Mike Soroka stuck. Max Freed has kind of stuck. Bryce Wilson did not stick. Uh, if you go back far enough, Matt Whistler did not stick. Aaron Blair right. did not stick. I mean, all there's right. a lot of names that we can mention here that did not stick. And Tuki Toussaint. T- yeah, Tuki Toussaint. There you go. I'm, oh, granted, he had, what, the one start? That yeah. was awesome two weeks ago, and everyone was like, ah, Tukey's back. And did you, um, did you hear my Kyle Wright as well? Oh, Kyle. Yeah, there you go. Like I said, they've Atlanta's been doing this for the last like eight years. They have like three or four really good pitching prospects, one or two of them probably sneak into the top 100. And then they actually get to the big leagues, and like one of them's good. <laughs> it, uh, it is, it, and they think they're like, oh, we're a pitching rich organization because we had Smoltz, Glavin, and Maddox. It's like, okay, uh, what have you produced since then? Uh, they've produced... Ah, crap, you're right. Oh, my God. Seriously? Uh, Julio Tehran? Yeah. No, <laughs> he sucks. He sucks. 
Julio Tehran always pissed me off as a Mets fan because he would always be like major league average for everybody else. He would face the Mets. You know you're getting shut out for eight innings. And here comes Craig Caramel's like hawk ass coming into the bullpen. Uh. <laughs> and then Julio Tehran was uh, compared to like a, a, a light version of Pedro Martinez for a while there. Oh, God. Same stature, <laughs> same blazing fastball. Well, maybe not the same blazing fastball, but it, it, it was shades of Pedro Martinez. Uh, Ricky DeVito. Uh, that's the other pitcher that the Pirates uh, re- uh, acquired from for Richard Rodriguez here. 22-year-old switch-hitting right-handed pitcher. 6'3", <laughs> one, 195. <laughs> uh, fastball and curveball are still developing, but they are graded as 50, you know, so that's not too bad. But the, the thing about him is he has the 60-grade splitter. And even though he struggles with the command so far, he has a 40 future value. So uh, I, over I, at Ape, oh, go ahead. I already got the gambit for this guy. Okay. Anyway, I started splitting. Oh. It's Danny DeVito. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Come on. I started splitting. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. And I was uh, thinking about Danny DeVito, but like, no, let's, I want to be professional. Let's let's take care oh, of business. Oh, come on. We were literally arguing over Austin Romine. Is that the most professional way to start a podcast? I mean, last I checked, Austin Romine was a professional. Oh, player, goodness right? gracious. And he was pretty productive uh, for a catcher in 2018 and 2019 combined. Uh, And five games starts in high A ball for the Atlanta Brave. 11.95 strikeout per nine, 3.1 walk per nine. So that's pretty decent. Not the best, but not the worst either. 66% ground ball rates, which is what we want to see from a split uh, split pitching right-handed pitcher, I guess. Uh, But he does have a home run power uh, as uh, the last two seasons he's been about – a 21% home run per five ball ratio, but ERA is pretty decent at 266. FIP is at 351. Anything else you want to add about Ricky DeVito? I mean, it's, it's one of those things where uh, someone who does throw a splitter a lot, uh, they do tend to have high ground ball rates, but they also do tend to give up a lot of home runs uh, yeah. because if they ever miss with it mm-hmm. and it stays in the zone, um, he might start splitting, but the batters are going to start blasting. And apparently that's what's happened here. Oh <laughs> I'm not going to let the bit go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let go of Ricky DeVito. Uh, but overall, the Pirates uh, have a, a couple of interesting um, pitching projects, not prospects, but projects here. They're still young enough to do something with uh, in their careers, but uh, it's not very encouraging. But they only gave up Richard Rodriguez, who I don't know. I think he's he was pretty overrated in my book. Yeah, he, he was. All he threw was a fastball. And over his last like actual 15 innings before the trade deadline he had an era over like five eight it was really bad so the fact that they were able to get bryce wilson i thought was impressive even though i'm not the biggest fan of bryce wilson um to get a prospect of that name type caliber for him i thought was impressive oh of course yeah absolutely i agree with that uh jacob from the step back who uh i've been getting very well acclimated with in the last week or so because of the nba draft um is joining us and he says that's a that's every shitty pitcher well <laughs> your teams acquired them not your team in, uh, in particular but your teams in general they went out of their way to acquire these shitty pitchers with the <laughs> shitty stuff and the command because they feel like they can fix them and they can fix them and that's and that's what we're gonna break down are they fixable that's why i brought sean because he's the pitching expert here <laughs> but changing gears no more pitchers for right now because we're going to talk about alexander canario the guy that one of the prospects uh... that the cubs got in the chris bryant deal um 
Canario is 21 years old, bats right-handed, throws right-handed, 6'1", 165. This is basically a peak Crow Armstrong in terms of height and stature. Except he, that Canario he's got power. Old. He's got power. He hasn't oh, filled yeah. out the frame yet, uh, but he's got lightning quick bat speed, um, lots of power. In I still hate him. It, I, I got into several Twitter debates about saying, why did the uh, the Cubs get less back for Chris Bryant than they did Pete Crow Armstrong? And they said, oh, Alexander Canario is a much better prospect than Pete Crow Armstrong. I said, okay, well, let's look at it this way. Mm-hmm. If Pete Crow Armstrong doesn't hit like we expect them to as a first-round draft pick, he still gets to the big leagues based yeah. solely on his defense. If Alexander Canario doesn't hit, he doesn't make it out of double A. And you look at this guy, he's posted strikeout percentages north of 24, 25, 30% in the last three years. You go and look at inside the San Francisco Giants system the last two seasons, 2019 and 2021. uh, He's got like the second or third highest swing strike rate uh, north of 17.5%. And this is all in low A and high A. And he's 21. So he's about right for the age, a little bit young (laughs) for high A. But yeah. He has a massive hole in his swing, and nobody wants to talk about it because, oh, he has power. He steals bases. He's Ronald Acuna. Um, no, no. If you're striking out 30, per- I, I don't think anyone actually said that, but it's like they 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 see the tools, and, you know, I've never been much for yeah, oh, the I tools see. one, and they, they see the lightning quick bat, which he does. Honestly, God, I, I saw a couple of videos where he pulled some home runs, and I said, damn. But you see 30% strikeout rate in low A, and high A, that that doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. Not at all. And I, 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 but I think it, he's it a just, flawed hitter. It just goes to show you how stupid the idea is. Oh, we're just going to get a bunch of uh, established veterans and we're going to flip them. We're going to flip them at the trade deadline. I mean, we saw what Tony Watson was able to get. Yeah, you got three relief pitchers, but you you mentioned it. They're, they're kind of suspicious. And I'm just trying to you know throw an olive branch to these Angel fans who have nothing to look forward to and say maybe there is some hope here for you know for a guy of tony watson's uh, uh, uh you know savvy and craftsmanship you were able to get three somewhat man relief pitchers in return two of them are in the minors the other one's a 30 year old that's fine but for a chris bryant you would think you would get like the sun and the stars and the moon i mean in the end he was still a rental and i think that was a fair price for a rental chris bryant uh because canario has the upside and the risk that you like when you trade for a rental. It was when you compared it to what the Mets gave up in Pete Crow Armstrong. That's why I think the Mets overpaid. And I, that's just what happened. But, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if these are teams who are trying to get into the playoffs, you pay whatever price you, you need to to get to the playoffs and try to win that championship. Otherwise, what is the whole point? You play to win the game. You play to win the game. But my thing is, and this is something I brought up in Dong City as well. Uh, so I'm going to go with it really quick. You, you, you brought up Chris Bryant. You lagged on his uh, service time. You know, you kept him for an extra year. You had this whole time to maximize his trade value and get rid of him in a quick manner. So he's not seen as just a rental. And in the end, you still waited till the very last minute. You couldn't get a deal done with this guy. You, you were never intending to get a deal done with this guy, not even to buy out his arbitration years, not to, uh, uh, bring him back as a as a 29, 30 year old free agent back for six, seven seasons. That was never your intent. So, yeah, the championship is nice, 
But in the end, I mean, you want to see it all, right? We're, we're greedy fans, and we want to see what's best for our team. And in the end, all you got was two somewhat mad prospects for a former MVP player and your and, and, a, and a World Series champion. It's like those uh, little buttons or stickers that you get. I went to Disney World, and all I got was the shitty T-shirt or whatever. Yeah. It's like I went to the World Series, and all I got were these shitty prospects at the end. <laughs> no, I mean, that's really what it boils down to. And, and Chris Bryant is the one that we pick on because, for me, he's the biggest name here uh, so far. But everybody got shafted with their veteran uh, players, be- all because everybody's like, well, the value's gone down because even though we're desperate to win and we got to bolster our, our roster, we don't want to pay a high, too much of a high price. So here's some of our least favorite prospects for some of your better players. And, well, and team. that started back in 2016. I mean, everyone saw what uh, the Cubs gave up for Aldis Chapman. That's what uh, I mean. That it, was it, a it, high it, price. Yeah. And, t- and team said, and team said, we're not going to do that anymore. And I don't blame them because trading your, one of your top five prospects for a rental, which the Mets goddamn did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pisses me the hell off. It, it doesn't make sense. I, I don't care. Like, even when the Mets traded for Yoan Cespedes, I thought it was a bit of an overpay, but I thought maybe that's just what they need. And it worked for them. But trading, like, uh, what, what the Toronto Blue Jays did, that was, granted, Barrios is not a rental. He has an extra year of uh, control. But Simeon Woods Richardson and Austin Martin for Jose Barrios and his career 4.05 ERA? What? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the price is just exorbitant. And it doesn't make sense. So well, team like, said, like, we're not going to do it anymore. Uh, except the Mets. The Mets caved to pressure. And we're like, oh, Javi Baez and Francisco well, see, Lindor. On the one hand, we're, we're, we're lambasting these teams who are paying too much of a high price. But we just, we just pissed all over the Atlanta Braves for not taking those risks and getting established pitchers and hitters and players to push them into the playoffs and push them into championship while they still have one of the best center fielders in all the, uh, in all of baseball. He's out for the year. He's out for the year. He wasn't out last year. He wasn't out the year before. (laughs) And it's typical brave shit. And and Vince and uh, dog city guys, I've mentioned this all the time. They're just too scared to make that big deal. They have not shown the ability to make that big deal. And in the end, they got rid of Bryce Wilson for an overrated uh, relief pitcher. Oh, congratulations, Atlanta. But that's the other. And that was after they refused to re-sign Mark Melanson, who ended up taking 3 million from San Diego. They refused to sign Shane Green until the month of June. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Atlanta, if I, were, if, if I was an Atlanta fan, I would be pissed. Granted, they did add some bats, which they needed, because I if they had a chance at you know, overtaking the Mets at all, uh, it wasn't going to be with um, Abraham Almonte and Guillermo Heredia in the outfield. I, I, they did good. No, no, no fault to them. Uh, but they needed more, and they got more. They got Jorge Soler. They got um, Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall's yeah. a favorite there anyway, so. Uh, again, they got Adam Duvall again. again. Maybe he'll stay in one piece. And this is like the Mets trading for Todd Frazier two years in a row. The Braves get Adam Duvall. But again, just getting back to it, you know, Chris Bryant, okay, we're not going to overpay for anybody. Okay, well, then the Braves don't, don't do anything the last few years, and they, the results are the same. You don't do anything. dude. You know what it is, man? The, the risk takers get the biggest rewards is what it is. And those who stay in the back, like the Yankees, right? I mean, as much as we like what the Yankees did, and we'll get to them in a little bit if we get there at this point, but as much as I like the Yankees every year, they, their, their reluctance to trade any other freaking prospects for fear that it might not look good on them in the future is absolutely absurd. I mean, you're in, in the win now mode, you're in championship mode. You got all your best players and your best prospects already in the big league roster. 
and you continue to pussyfoot around and say, oh, well, we don't want to give up too much of a price. Meanwhile, you see all your big rivals, including the Houston Astros and the Dodgers don't and even your, East, even your East Coast uh, brethren out there with the Washington, D.C. Nationals. They win championships and <laughs> you're, you're stuck without a championship since 2009. And, and Mike Rizzo, Mike Rizzo, God bless his heart. He didn't give up when people told him, oh, you got to give up. You got to give up. You got to trade everybody for prospects. He, he said, no, I, no, as long as I'm still here, I'm still going to try. Look to where win. his and, team is now. Yeah, but it was it worth it. Yeah, 2019, <laughs> they won the damn title. After years of being like the best team for almost a decade, they finally got that vaunted title that they've been looking for. And it was all it was worth it because that's all that's all it is. Yeah, there's a thing of sustained sustained wins. But look what happens, man. You can't sustain win. Uh, 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 what do you call it? Competition uh, and, and that competency window for too long in baseball. It's Major League Baseball, man. Steroids are gone. <laughs> They won't even let these guys take greenies anymore. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. So Alexander Canio, I mean, could I mean, uh, the hit tool's not there, but the power is, like you mentioned, even the speed. It looks like it's. I think he's one of those guys. He's going to steal a lot of bases in the minors. And then when he gets to majors, he's going to be like nothing. Like I feel like even Jorge Soler stole a lot of bases in the minors. Not a I lot, just, but some. I just realized who's that? Uh, who's the uh, guy? Is it Helio Ramos? That's the big uh, name prospect. The, yeah, that's guy. been in San Francisco's minor league system for like seventeen years. Yeah, I, I just realized that he he too his speed has dropped just like Alexander or Canario. So something's wrong with San Francisco over there. But as Sean mentioned, strikes out too much and he struggled uh, mightily in A ball. He's now in high A with the Cubs and he's already striking out at a thirty three point three percent rate. So Sean loves those type of players. Moving on to <laughs> Caleb Killian. He's a right-handed pitcher, 6'4", 180. He needs some uh, some girth in that body of his. But he's 24 years old already, and he's in double-A. Um, he was with double, in double-A with the Giants. Uh, the tools aren't there. The slider's pretty good. Uh, the change-up's decent. The command is where it's at with this guy. So I just picture a guy who throws nothing but change-ups, I guess. I don't know. But 11 games starts in double-A with the Giants. Uh, the strikeouts are nowhere to be impressive, but the control's always there, right? I mean, this is a 70-grade command prospect. Uh, and he's posting decent production numbers. Uh, any last words on Caleb Killian uh, going to the Cubs here? He just seems like the type of pitcher that San Francisco has been uh, kind of not stacking. Uh, the word I'm looking for here, uh, really targeting, you know, guys like uh, the 611 uh, Sean Healy. Uh, he's got great command, great sync. Uh, Caleb Killian looks, you know, by all accounts, like he could be really, really good. You look at the strikeout to walk numbers in the minors and you're like, wow, that's like Chris Paddock S. That's like uh, Shane Bieber esque uh, with slightly less strikeouts. Uh, the interesting thing with him is he does have that higher ground ball percentage. Uh, but he just seems like that type of pitcher San Francisco has really been targeting to try and piece together a staff of these control freaks, essentially. So, yeah, uh, it works. It works well with that big ballpark. And we talked about that big ballpark effect with the with the starting rotation on the current major league roster and and how that uh, probably turned around um, Kevin Gossman's career. Uh, I have a comment to tell you here to share with you, Sean, uh, from Krista. Uh, she tagged one of her friends and mentioned that these two are funny. And I'm like, hey, this is us trying to be serious, all right? Come on. 
We're trying we're to be try, serious. We're here. trying here. <laughs> we're trying here. Uh, Lane Thomas. Uh, I feel like that's a football player's name, but I, I know this is not a guy I want to talk about. I just he kind of re- reminded me. I, I remember him from somewhere, and uh, sure enough, yeah, former uh, Cardinals farmhand. And before that, he was with the Blue Jays. So that's where I remember him from. Uh, not much to brag about. Speed and much more of a fielder. Supposed to grade as a fourth outfielder for a good team. Um, any hope for Lane Thomas being more than just a fourth outfielder for a good team? No. Right, if, if you are one of the, our audio-only people, uh, I uh, very vigorously shook my head left and right. Uh, there are yeah. several people on Twitter I know from the, the Cardinals Twitter side, oh and oh they, it, they're they funny to listen to because <laughs> this, this rotating spot in the outfield for them, it's like they were ready to give up on Harrison Bader two years ago. They were ready to give up on Tyler O'Neill last year. Now they yeah. love both. That and then Boston. it was like uh, Justin Williams – was that outfielder that they're like, he's raking in AAA, call him up. And they called him up and he sucked. And they said, okay, Lars Newtbar is being, like literally his name is Lars Newtbar. Uh, he's doing awesome in AAA, call him up. And they call him up and he sucks. And then Lane Thomas goes from fifth outfielder, starting outfielder. And they're like, we've seen enough of Lane Thomas. Bring up the other guys. Oh, wait, they suck. And so Lane <laughs> Thomas just still gets all this playing time and it's they, they can't realize that. They just keep they keep saying this guy sucks. Bring somebody new in, and then Lane Thomas is always the guy at the very end that gets his job back. Well, this is the Lane Thomas is uh, was acquired by the Nationals in the John Lester deal. So the Cardinals acquired John Lester. Uh, moving kudos on to the to Royals. Mike Rizzo for getting literally anything for John Lester. I mean that. I mean that's he got anything for anybody at this point. <laughs> Even Max Scherzer. Oh, uh, Casey Kalich uh, going to the Royals. Jorge Soler going to the Braves. Casey Kalich is a 23-year-old right-handed pitcher, 6'3", 220. Uh, last week, checked while he was with the Braves, uh, was able to pitch 20 games, 10.38 strikeout per nine inning and relief duty, but does have a walk per nine of five. Uh, any, any uh, I don't know, what do you think about him going to the Royals, Casey Kalich? Uh, relief pitcher with control issues that hasn't shown me really anything stand out so just yeah. kind of wait and see yeah well i'm not waiting yeah. next <laughs> up uh and the hansel robles deal going to the boston red Sox. the twins get alex scherf 6'3, 205 23 year old right uh right-handed pitcher uh decent fastball the changeup is what's gonna be his bread and butter even though he has a future value of, uh, of 40 when he was with the red Sox in six games of relief 12.15 K per nine, 2.7 walk per nine, 1.35 ERA. So some promising outlook here, although he is 23-year-old in double-A uh, with the Twins. Uh, any other hope for Alex Scherf to one day make it to the show and be productive for the Minnesota Twins? I don't know. Minnesota needs whatever pitchers they can find that don't give up home runs left and right, which uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Let's just see if this guy can give up home runs or not. You know. They only will employ you if you can give up at least one home run per nine. That, that, that seems to be the rule in Minnesota. If you give up less than one home run per nine, you're getting traded. Get out of here. No. This is a, this is a what do they call the, the Bomba squad? Uh, th- now their pitchers are the Bomba squad. <laughs> the, the launching pads to the Bomba squad. <laughs> Next up is Peyton Henry. Uh, finally, a triple A p- uh, player here. 24-year-old catcher, 6'2", 215 pounds. Uh, no hit tool, but the raw power is at 60. And that's all he has is just raw power. So basically, he's Jorge, uh, Jorge Alfaro. 
uh, if Jorge Alfaro was still in the uh, minor leagues. You saw but, that Jorge Alfaro played left field. I, I know this is like a tangent. He played left field yesterday. Wow, that's good to know. Holy <laughs> cow. But uh, from the Brewers, he did nothing uh, of discernible uh you know, merits here, maybe a 338 on base percentage, but he coupled that with a really bad slugging percentage. Uh, so he can't, he doesn't feel as good as the other guy we mentioned uh, with Gutierrez for the, for the pirates. Uh, what do you see out of Peyton Henry on your end? Peyton Henry. I had his tab pulled up and I missed it. He's the, which deal he was, he was in. Uh, that's the John Curtis deal. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers acquire uh, pitcher, John Curtis for Peyton Henry, the catcher. I don't have him pulled. Oh, there he is. Um, he's almost like. Uh, of course, my computer doesn't want to load. Here we go. Uh, Peyton Henry, like you said, sixty grade raw power, thirty five future hit tool. Um, yeah, no, thank you. Uh, I see a lot of two thirty <laughs> batting averages with high twenties strikeout rate. Uh, yeah, hard pass. That's um, not no no thank you. Wait, hard pass or hard pass ball? <laughs> Probably a For little a bit of both. Yeah, right. All right, moving on. I think we're going to get to some of the good players here in just a bit, but we go now to where are we at? Oh, okay. I just saw it. There we go. No, that's not it. There we go. The Yankees acquired Andrew Haney from the Angels for Elvis Elvis Pagero and Jansen Junk. I know you saw this tweet. Junko. Oh, God. Jansen Junk plays for the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Oh, that was great. That's hilarious. That's awesome. I love it. Yay. <laughs> so, yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, they they literally out. say on the Fangraphs article, a somewhat generic reliever. <laughs> what? Uh, Jansen Junk? junk. Yeah. Can you imagine just being a generic piece of junk? <laughs> oh, man. The Major League Baseball is littered. Ha! Littered! <laughs> I, hate, I hate you. I hate uh, you so much. <laughs> when he was with the Yankees at double A, he uh, started 12 games at uh, in 2021, 65 and two thirds innings pitch, uh, 9.32K per nine, but pretty good control in terms of that walk per nine at 2.7 uh, and 1.78 ERA. So he was pretty, it was having a pretty decent season. But aside from that, uh, it's the curveball and the command for him. So it's going to, he's a crafty, uh, crafty guy. And that's going to be his ticket to the major leagues, 35 plus. And again, the angels, they're always looking for pitching, but you know, whatever, maybe he's a junk ball pitcher. Who knows? Yeah. I'm just seeing a lot of him in 2019 and it did not look pretty. <laughs> maybe he's turning the wheel around. Maybe five, five ERA and high a seven ERA and double a in one game. And then he made one start. That was only two and a third innings in triple a. And that was 11 and a half ERA. So, uh, this is for, for as far as Jansen junk goes, one man's <laughs> trash is another man's treasure. Okay. <laughs> one man's Elvis. another man's treasure. Elvis Pagero. Uh huh. You know, <laughs> to put a hound dog, Sean. Six games of relief, 12 innings pitch, 12.75 K per nine and 3.75 walk per nine with a ground ball rate of 53% and also having a low ERA. Vince did mention that a lot of the Yankee uh, uh, minor league minor league teams are having a great season. So I'm, I'm wondering if this is a result. Uh, of uh, their good fortune that these uh, low-level prospects are also benefiting from that. But Elvis is 24 years old, right-handed pitcher, 6'5", 208 pounds. So the big frames there, the fastballs there, the sliders there. The command is still a work in progress. Uh, do you see Elvis <laughs> Elvis uh, turning his uh, his career around with I mean, the Angels? I mean, it, it will be tough. Um, we see all the time uh, the bigger-framed guys struggle with command. Yeah. And... Um, if you're struggling with command in low A and double A, 
Um, yeah, you're going to have a tough time in the big leagues. You just are. They're, they're going to take advantage. They're not going to swing. And then when you finally just pour one over to finally get ahead in the count, then it's going to end up in the third deck. So, well, it looks like he might have the stuff to uh, stick around as a relief pitcher and, you know, how it goes with relief pitchers. If you're big and you have those lightning, that lightning stuff, they can, you know, sweep the, the craft and the, and the, and the command down the, you know, underneath the carpet there. Moving on to Drew Millis, Washington Nationals, high A ball player. Uh, he was acquired in, as I'm just kind of all over the place on my other screen here, but he was acquired in the, okay, in the Yan Gomes and Josh Harrison deal. So Yan Gomes, Josh Harrison goes to Oakland. Drew Millis comes back to the Nationals. Uh, decent hit tool. Uh, pretty good speed for a catcher. Really good fielder, com- especially compared to the other guy we talked about, about Peyton Henry, I think. And a 40-plus future value. So there's some promise here. Switch hitting catcher, uh, 6'2", 205-pounder. And when he was at Oakland, he stole 10 bases and had really good plate approach and had a really high on base percentage, but not much of a pop there. Um, what, do you, what are your thoughts on Drew Millis there on your end? I don't think I see him on my list over from Fangraphs. I see the other player, the Richard Gosh, that was uh, acquired in the Gomes-Harrison deal, but uh, don't see him. But a catcher that steals bases is always fun. Oh, hell yeah. That's why I mentioned him. You see, you said there's no value to these guys. If Drew Mills okay, yo, up, oh, okay, there, there's oh, if I had the rest of his numbers in front of me, I'd probably be laughing at him. You you should be because he doesn't slug or hit for power. But does he uh, get on he base? Does a, <laughs> he gets on. He definitely gets on base. Three seventy two on base. And oh, okay, he, okay. Did, uh, did I not? Are people not listening to me. I, I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't hear the three seventy two on base. I I heard ten solo bases, and that was kind of when I perked up. <laughs> oh, I understand. Uh, he's walking more than he's striking out there, so I know you love that as well. So okay. keep an okay. eye on Drew Millis. We might have something here, but it's a long uphill battle for him, and he's only in high A ball at the moment. Uh, Seth Schumann, pitcher out of uh, right-handed pitcher, 6'1", 195 pounder with the A's. He started eleven games, fifty six innings pitch. Uh, close to a 10K per nine and a really low walk rate of 2.4. But he's a five ball pitcher, 2.25 ERA though, but the 3.54 field independent pitching as well. Uh, and this guy is such a low level prospect that there are no grades. There are no prospect grades for this guy, according to fan graphs. So if you see something else on your end that might uh, add more to Seth Schumann's uh, profile that we're doing here vocally, Greatly appreciate it, Sean. What do you got for me? Nothing? Anything? Nothing. All right, let's move <laughs> on. So that's Seth Schumann. Richard Gouache, also from the Nationals. He's, you know, again, part of the Jan Gomes uh, and Josh Harrison deal. 23-year-old, right-handed, 6'4", 205, another big frame guy. No prospect grades here, Sean. Just letting Cuban, you know. Cuban thrower. He's a Cuban thrower. He has no idea where the ball's going. Upper, mid-90s, uh, but he's got no clue where it's going. Yeah, high ERA, high walk rate, but he does have a lot of strikeouts. So, uh, And he's also has uh, started in nine games this season. So there's still Oakland was still trying to see if he could still uh, be a starting pitcher. Moving on to the twins acquiring Evan Sisk and John Gant for J a Hap. So Hap and Gant are the veterans. Oh, Evan I thought, Sisk. I thought Gant was the only piece in that trade. I didn't know they got a prospect. Yeah. Evan Sisk. I'm going to tell you about him right now. Left-handed 24 year old, 6'2, 209 pitcher. Again, no prospect grades here. He was selected round 16 uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals. And so far with the Cardinals at double A's uh, this season, 16 relief appearances, one save, 12.6 strikeout per nine, but a really high walk rate, uh, 5.4. When I look at his numbers and I see the good strikeout rate, high walk rate, and somewhat still low ERAs, even though he has an insanely high BABIP, 
Uh, I kind of see lefty specialists here. Maybe this is when he does get hurt or when he is walking guys, it's all right-handed batters have to dig in a little bit more to that, but uh, possibly a, a lefty specialist guy type here. That's what I'm seeing as well. And with the new rules, I don't know if there's any room for a guy like that. I mean, there's always room for a left-handed pitcher, but not when you have to face three hitters. Is that the rule, right? Three hitters. Yeah, unless you finish the inning and then you can face one batter. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. Uh, Reese Olsen, he was the quite. I'm skipping the Craig Kimbrell for Nick Magical and Cody Hoover because we talk about Nick Magical all the time, and Cody Hoover already has some uh, big league experience. So, Nick Magical, friend of the show. <laughs> oh yeah, and plus he's hurt, so there's not really nothing to talk about. But hey, Nick and Nico for the Cubs middle infield. It's the Nick and Nico show. They're gonna oh ground God. every ball up the middle. Nickelodeon. <laughs> Nickelodeon. <laughs> There's a two. You remember Nickelodeon? They used to have a TV oh. show called The Angry Beavers. That's gonna be Nick and Nico. Oh God. Nick and Nico, the angry rodents, just burrow <laughs> every fucking ball down the ground. Um, Milwaukee Brewers, Reese Olsen. So you gotta like a guy from the Brewers, right? Not. I don't know about this guy though. 14 game starts, 10.3 strikeout per nine, really high walk rate at four and 4.6 walk per nine innings. Um, and 4.30 ERA. So a little bit of a struggle here, but the Tigers are willing to take a chance. Yeah. Uh, if you remember, uh, we had him on uh, in the offseason, Trevor Huth, a uh, big time Tigers fan. Uh, he is the one I go to and I listen to all the time because he watches so much of minor league pitchers. Yeah. And he went back and he had some footage and some gift clips of Reese Olson. And it, if you look at the numbers and the results, you're probably thinking, eh, whatever. That, that, that's probably what Daniel Norris gets you. Uh, but <laughs> I, I remember I watched the video, and you can definitely tell he does have 360-grade pitches. The, the changeup's awesome. The fastball has a little work to get there, uh, but the slider and changeup are awesome. And like I said, Detroit is kind of assembling a, a little super squad of uh, pitching over there, so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. It's the opposite of what the Braves did. Although Daniel Norris was an old guard of, of that pitching uh, farm system that the Tigers had. Remember, he was acquired by the uh, from the Blue Jays and the David, the David, David Price, Price deal? deal. Yeah, it was him in, oh, goodness gracious, it's going to bug me. But it yeah. doesn't matter. Moving <laughs> on to Alex Jackson. He was acquired in the Adam Duvall deal, who you just mentioned. So Alex Jackson, really nothing to brag about, except that he has mammoth power just ginormous 70 great power for a catcher. That's very rare. Kind of think about Mike Zunino when you think about Alex Jackson and Jackson's already up on the big league club, but yeah. he's striking, striking out at a 47.2 strikeout uh, rate. So that's, that's that actually a great comp. And he finally hit his first career home run yesterday yeah. against the Mets. And what I noticed is he gave up or he hit the home run. It was on a splitter, I believe. Yeah. And, I just kind of noticed and went back and in the last two years, he'd had about 20 plate appearances with the Braves that I saw him a couple of times. He can't hit a fastball and he, he can't uh, Taiwan Walker and the next at bat just blew three fastballs by him. And it was one, two, three sit down, but That's he sad. does put pretty good swings on breaking pitches. And this year in triple a, when he was with Atlanta, I'm not sure if you looked at those numbers, they are stupid. Uh, 287, 366 with a 694 slugging. That was wow. a 168 WRC plus. Uh, he was having a better year in AAA than guys like Joey Bart. Uh, the only other catcher that really was putting him to the task was um, also traded, uh, Kybert Ruiz from the Dodgers to the Nationals. So um, Alex Jackson might just be a quad A hitter, though. All Sadly. right. Well, I mean, 
but he has really, really fun power. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, like- he hit a ball 430 feet off Taiwan Walker last night. So I also thought Adam Duval was a quadruple eight uh, hitter, but yet here he is still in the big league. So he's just <laughs> continues to uh, produce power for teams who are desperate at the trade deadline. Now we get to some of your favorite players here. Austin Martin, who I have him in both my keeper leagues, thanks to Sean and one. And then the other one, I just picked him up off waivers because he was available. Um, yeah, both involving Jared Kalenic. I had to trade Jared Kalenic in my other league as well. And there was Austin Martin just waiting for me to pick up. 22-year-old, right, uh, bets right-handed, shortstop, maybe future center fielder, six foot, 185 pounder, has really good hit tool, decent power, has really good speed, is versatile on defense, 50 future value. Now, see, now we're talking here, Sean, aren't we? This is what we're looking for. <laughs> these are the type of prospects we used to get at the trade deadline before all these crappy pitchers started changing hands. What else do you want to add about Austin Martin? Austin Martin, um, I had a funny interaction with on Twitter, not with him specifically, but somebody said, oh, um, I think Austin Martin it might be getting overvalued, overrated here. Uh, he hasn't really shown any power. He only has the two home runs in Double uh, A with Toronto this year. Uh, he has an on base higher than a slugging. He's only slugging three eighty three. And someone said it seems that he's really going to have to rely on uh, his average and OBP to provide value uh, since he doesn't really have any power. And I said <laughs> all I did was reply. I said it's working pretty damn well for Jonathan India right now, because yeah. that was how a lot of people viewed Jonathan India. And he didn't have the power in the minors. He dealt with some injuries. And I think Austin Martin has a much higher ceiling than Jonathan India. I think they're both very good players. I think Austin Martin has the potential to be special. And aside from Pete Armstrong being traded for Javi Baez as a rental, uh, this deal was the biggest ripoff of the deadline. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the hell Toronto was thinking, honestly. I, I don't. Uh, Marcus Stroman was having a better year than Jose Barrios the year he was traded. And what did the tw- uh, what did the Blue Jays get back from Marcus Stroman? They got back Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods Richardson, who they just flipped in this deal. And at the time, Simeon Woods Richardson was a 45-plus future value. At the time of this deal, he was a 50-plus or a 55. I mean, it was, it was actually 50. He was 50. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. Jose Barrios does not do good in the AL East for his career. I think this is going to be a train wreck of a deal. I know he had that first great start for him, whatever. I'll be Tell me I'm wrong in a week, uh, but I don't think this is going to work out well. I think Minnesota did great to get both Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson. Yeah, and uh, so that's Austin Martin there. Simeon Woods Richardson, uh, 20-year-old, like you mentioned, uh, was part of the uh, – what the hell? I can't think. Marcus Stroman deal, like <laughs> yeah. you said. Uh, right-handed pitcher, 6'3", 210. Uh, decent fastball, decent curveball. But the changeup is what's the most impressive grade here on his Fangraphs page. Really good command. That's why he's a 50 future value player. And so far with the Blue Jays at double A, uh, 45 and one-third innings pitch after 11 games starts. 13.3 strikeout per nine, but a 5.2 walk per nine innings. So that's that's kind of cause of concern maybe there for the Blue Jay and a 5.76 ERA, um, but the FIP likes him. But regardless, uh, you, you kind of want to give a guy like him more of a chance to show if that's really him or not. Um, I don't understand. Yeah. Go ahead, Sean. I'm sorry. Uh, Woods Richardson, you know, talking about that command. Um, he is currently playing for Team USA right now. 
And okay, how's he, he doing? I don't think um, I haven't seen any of his actual starts. I'm not sure if he's pitched out of the bullpen yet. But when they went to go play in the qualifiers, he took a, a time off from May 22nd and then didn't pitch again until almost the 10th of June, uh, June 9th. Uh, and that was when they had to go play their qualifying games. And before the qualifying games, he had had a few walks, but he went five innings in all of them. And then he came back. And in the first start, he went five innings. He only went one inning the next. And then he had a seven-walk start. And then and on 7-15 before going to the Olympics, he had a five-walk start, but with nine strikeouts. So I'm not – it seemed that the qualifiers maybe messed him up a little bit just in terms of getting out of rhythm, you know, tra- having to travel all the way out west where they were doing the qualifiers and then come back. I always thought that he was the main piece – in the Stroman deal. Uh, he was a lottery ticket in that deal, though. Anthony Kay was the one that was having a great year. Uh, Simeon Woods Richardson was pitching an A-ball. Um, but great command. That five walks per nine just seems really it, – it, it staggers you because he has been such a great command pitcher, even as a teenager. Like, you, you, he had command that you normally don't see out of teenagers. Um, I do worry that the fastball might be too hittable. Uh, especially if he keeps it in the zone, because he can keep it in the zone very easily. I just worry that it's going to be a hittable fastball. The changeup and slider are, are good. Changeup's better than the slider. Uh, he's an interesting pitcher. I, I think people might want to say he's like a 2-3, but he might be more of just a pitchable pitchability number four. All right. With all that being said, we made it through all the July 30th trades. Now we're in the July 29th deals. However, it is the top of the hour. How, uh, I, I guess if you want, I can give you one player or two players that you can talk about who were dealt before July 29th. Who are those players? Uh, let's do Austin Shenton. Was he, he was on the 29th, I believe, correct? Uh, yeah. Uh, he he the, was the, in the uh, JT Chargois and um, that deal between deal. Yeah, Diego Castillo. Austin Shenton, left-handed bat, uh, old for his age, not a whole lot of power. Uh, but for his career, you just look at him and you're like, this guy can hit. And you know that's my favorite type of prospect, the ones who play a position that don't have the prototypical tools for that position, and they still succeed nonetheless. In two years in the minors, Austin Shenton has played 124 games and has a slash line of 295, 392, 533. Um yeah, that's the same guy. Yeah. So uh, Tampa picks him up. I feel like he is a potential replacement for um, basically what Nate Lowe's slot in the organization was. Uh, G-Man Troy, I, I, I don't think he's going to be there much longer. I've been saying it for two years now. Hmm. But I don't think G-Man Troy is long for Tampa anymore. I think Austin Shenton is a type of batter that Tampa would really like. Uh High-ish walk rate, you know, eight, nine, ten percent. Uh, low-ish strikeouts. I, I really like him. I think he's an underrated bat just because he doesn't have the prototypical first baseman power. And who's the other guy? Uh, Glenn Otto oh, from yes. the uh, Joey Gallo deal. Glenn Otto is a guy who has just been carving up uh, minor leaguers this year, and no one was really talking about him. And when I saw he was involved in the Gallo deal. Uh, along with Josh Smith, another good player they got back, um, infielder. Uh, but Glenn Otto this year 
in 2021 in AA. It's stupid. Uh, He had a 14.19 strikeouts per nine. He had 10 games started, pitched 65 innings. So he was averaging, you know, six innings a start with a 14K per nine and walks per nine of 1.93. In the past, walks have been a bit of an issue. In 2019, he had a walks per nine and high A of over five. And then he went up to AAA this year, uh, made two starts before being traded, 10.5K per nine, 2.61 walk per nine, still solid. And he's made one start in Texas so far, and he had uh, five strikeouts, three walks, and uh, five innings. I think this is a really sneaky, under-the-radar uh, pick. And if he doesn't work out as a starter, I think he could be a elite-level reliever as well. All right. Uh, my guy is Kevin Alcantara. Uh, he was acquired in the Anthony Rizzo deal. Yeah. 19, hold on, 19 year old, 6'6, 188 pounder, has a lot of power on that bat. And some of the, and, and some speed combination as well. Power speed combination is what I like to see here. Um, that sounds like a type of player that Felipe would go after in Dynasty and Keeper Leagues. 50 future value. Uh, so far, born after 9 11. He was born in 2002. <laughs> He's oh, a baby. Yeah. He's a baby. Poor baby. Uh, so far, uh, what, what would that be? That would be a 0.57 walk per strikeout rate. So, yeah, the approach is uh, it, it's promising, but it could be a lot better than that. 360 batting average. So he's having a good time at the New York Yankees complex. And uh, also, let's see what happened in the rookie league the last time he played full time. He did not slug for that much power. But however, he did have a 354 weighted on base average. So a little bit of a mixed back here, but the tools are there for him to uh, be something special uh, in this uh, bleak point in Cubs history, seeing that all the, all your best players from the 2016 championship are hitting home runs and now finally being productive for their new teams. So hoping that one day Kevin Alcantara could be a mainstay along with Pete Crow Armstrong and one of the corner, corner infield uh, positions there. Uh, anybody else before we call it a night there, Sean? Uh, I think that was just about all. Uh, Kevin Alcantara, I think, uh, might be fool's gold. I think he's one of those, he looks the part. He looks like a baseball player. He's six foot six, and he's had this great start down in the complex. Uh, and then you look at his Babbitt combined in between the two, Chicago and Yankees is like 450. So um, just uh, be careful. Josh Smith, I mentioned him. And also... Uh, Felipe wasn't going to let me mention him because he got his name got said on Dong Steady. But Abraham freaking Toro, people, I told you this. I've been telling you, and my camera's moving because I'm shaking my desk <laughs> so much. Abraham freaking Toro is a monster. He has been unleashed, uh, and he has everyday playing time. Bye-bye, Kyle Seeger. Your career in Seattle is done. Abraham Toro has your job now. Toro's playing second base, though. Is he playing second base? He's going to yeah. play third base for him next year. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Uh, I, I, he's been, I thought I saw him playing third base. I, I saw when, when we were talking about it in Donk City, he was playing mostly second base almost immediately after he got traded. I know which, he had the his first home run came as a pinch hitter. Well, uh, that just goes to show you how uh, uh, versatile Abraham Toro could be. Uh, I was bragging about Diego Castillo being a better relief pitcher than Kendall Graveman and that people should just shut up and stop their crying about oh, Kendall the, Graveman getting traded. Yeah, Seattle fans being upset over Kendall 20 and not having 20 innings of Kendall Graveman. Uh, give me a break. You, your team got better. You got Abraham Toro for five years. And Diego Castillo. Yeah, and Diego Castillo. Him. Don't, no, don't say like that. You make it something. <laughs> whatever. 
no, Theo Castillo is really good. Really well, good. I mean, I'm we used to be, fan. we used to say the same thing about him and Jose Alvarado when they were in Tampa. And we're like, oh my God, these guys are insane. They throw so hard. And they're just kind of meh. Theo Castillo was having a better year than Kendall Graveman. And Graveman was being, I, I don't think it was a better year. I think Graveman was like insanely good. He had like a 1.0 ERA something. No, no, hold on a minute. No, now you got me thinking here. Hold on. I just saw their numbers. Diego Castillo, 2.82 ERA, 11.7K per nine. Graveman, 0.76 ERA. 9.9k per nine. Yeah. So wait, Gra- even as a relief pitcher, Kendall Graveman is still not posting high strikeout rates. <laughs> I huh. think he has like a really high swinging strike rate. Honestly. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, but still, oh. just so in high high ground high ground balls too. So basically, Kendall Graveman as a starting pitcher is still doing things as a relief pitcher. I got you. I, I can't... All right, here it is. According to the numbers here, I, I I'm gonna do a side by side on my little uh, FanGraphs uh, report that I got going here. Uh, first of all, Graveman's older by three years. Okay. Yeah. All right. Diego Castillo has a much higher strikeout rate and much higher ERA, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, getting, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be an ERA snob on this one because it proves the point. But double the war. Skills interactive ERA, they're pretty well matched. Uh, 268 for Graveman, 275 for Castillo, which is not that far off. Castillo also makes more uh, people swing outside the strike zone, induces more swings overall, uh, gives up less contact, which is not surprising because Kendall Graveman is all about that contact, has a much higher swinging strike percentage, uh, so swinging strike rate than uh, Kendall Graveman. Uh, the fastballs are about the, well, Graveman suddenly has found velocity in that thing, which. Yeah, yeah, he picked up a lot of Vila this year. But uh, StatCast, expect the ERA much higher for Kendall Graveman than it is for Diego Castillo. 3.26 for Graveman, 2.56 for Castillo. And what's the last thing I wanted to look at here? I think, <laughs> oh, uh, lower exit velocity for Diego Castillo. I rest my case. <laughs> Stop crying about Kendall Graveman. Jesus Christ. People. I, I do. I do agree with that. I do agree with that. They, they should be completely okay with giving up Kendall Graveman. You won the deal. It's okay. They're, they're still crying about it though. Oh, <laughs> why do they have to give up? You're not giving up. If you're getting Diego Castillo, uh, he's three years younger than he is. than Graveman was sorry. Um, at least you didn't get Daniel Hudson. That, that would have been oh. a, a mess right there. Hey, that, that's like San Diego's like little participation trophy for the trade deadline was Daniel Hudson and Michael Conforto just hit a damn rocket to right field again for an out. That dude cannot buy a hit. He really can't. Yeah, I know. He's in my oh. fantasy uh, points league and it's been rough. It's, yeah, he got healthy and my team got worse somehow. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, then, t- tell me you're the Mets without telling me you're the Mets. And the, well, yeah, I got Jacob the Grom as well. And <laughs> Jeff McNeil got dropped, but I'm like, I'm looking at him. I'm like, no, I don't think so. I want to, but I probably shouldn't because th- this Mets team has cursed my keeper, my my keeper points team to no end. Anyway, that's it for us. Uh, I know Sean has to get going, um, but uh, be sure to catch all, all our other shows, Dong City, uh, the Step Back podcast. I, I just did a three episodes with them back to back to back last week or the last two weeks about the NBA drafts, the 2011 draft, the 2017 draft, and the current one, 2021 NBA draft. Uh, the Workshoot podcast is a wrestling podcast. They're on tomorrow night. Uh, oh, the Audible football podcast. I was on yesterday. Uh, they're getting ready to start training camp over there as well. Literally, Matt Bushnell, I think he's in training camp mode. Uh, if you ever see him talk around this time of year, I think he's ready as well. I think he's going to put on the pads and the helmets. <laughs> he's going to put on the pads. And he's going to run through that wall for, for the coaches, right? Uh, any last words there, Sean, before I let you go? Uh, I do want to say 
that Alex Jackson just hit a ball for a double that was 107 miles an hour, and I'm trying to find out where it was. I thought you were going to say 170 miles an hour. Like, wow, this Alex Jackson. <laughs> okay, it, it doesn't want to pop up, but he did have a 107-mile-an-hour batted ball, and um, I just wish I knew which pitch it was on. Uh, it might have been – It uh, actually, it would be the last pitch of the at-bat, and it was a sinker. It wasn't a breaking ball. It was a sinker. Okay, never mind. Granted, it's a Cookie Carrasco sinker at 92.7, which is kind of frightening, but oh, well. <laughs> all right for sean i am felipe we're back we're hoping to come back next week we will see you soon have a good night everybody